All right. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Thank you for being here. Today's meditation will be about the thermodynamics of consciousness and agent ecosystems. Uh, sounds very, you know, jargony and, and, uh, and specific, but there is like a very simple overarching intention that is being developed with uh, what I'm going to be talking about. And that is to have a very, very friendly relationship with ourselves, all of ourselves, to essentially not be in a fighting relationship within ourselves or with ourselves. And to do that, it's very helpful, potentially, to uh, have a really good model of how agents arise in our world simulation. So the first part of the meditation is going to be exploring a little bit the thermodynamics of consciousness, which is really a synthesis of many ideas. Uh, it could be wrong, but uh, I encourage you to try it and see if it if it is true for yourself. And the second part is um, about how that informs how to encourage very friendly and happy sub-agents within us. So first of all, uh, settle, settle in. Check in with yourself for a moment. How are you feeling? How does your body feel? How does your mind feel? And whatever it is, you don't need to change it. Just check, check in with you, whatever the weather is inside of you. So we will start by a reminder of energy that we covered the other meditation. So what are the main energy sources in your world simulation? You have sensory data. Anything sensorial will be stimulating. You have attention. Whatever you pay attention to gets energized vivified and gets more interconnected and alive. Then we have valence, pleasure and pain function as an energy source. And pineapple. <laughs> the element of surprise. So those are energy sources. So feel those energy sources for a moment, just to remind yourself and not miss one of them.
then there is a fifth component that functions as an energy source that I haven't covered, which is very relevant when you look at different states of consciousness. And that is the background noise signature. You're just trying to quiet down how noisy and with what frequencies does your nervous system speak, so to speak. In some states of consciousness, this background energy, this background noise shifts in frequency and amplitude, tends to get higher frequency, higher amplitude. With things that stimulate consciousness, it tends to be lower frequency, lower amplitude. With things that dull it down, like anesthetics. So this is also an energy source, and it will affect what patterns can survive and replicate in the field of consciousness. So all these sources are stimulating the field of consciousness, inter which is interconnected and is trying to balance itself out, kind of like water-seeking level. And that energy then is something that energy sinks can absorb. Two primary ones are symmetrical shapes, perhaps because they homogenize energy and makes it ra radiates it out more efficiently. And things that you can recognize, semantic content. So when you're very energized, you're going to get different energy sinks because they are evolving to adapt to the current energetic environment and try to dissipate the energy as efficiently as possible. And then there are some other energy outputs like motor movement and something I don't have words for, but I call it outer field radiation, which happens very clearly on high equanimity. I don't know if we have a word for that or a common referent, but that also functions as a way the energy dissipates from the field of consciousness. More so, if you remember from <clears throat> the valence exercises, when an energy sink clicks into place with resonance, it radiates out waves. And those waves carry information about the shape, the gestalt that is absorbing the energy.
This is why the field of consciousness, in many cases, feels like a symphony. There's all of these different gestalts are emitting their own waves in a way that reflects their inner shape. And the clusters of gestals that arise are precisely those that can play well with each other. When you get a clusters of gestalts, then you get a higher order gestalt that now meets a wave as a whole group in coherence. The component of recognition as an energy sink. This is something you can play with. Is largely a predict predictive engine. Prediction engine is trying to resolve what is the most likely thing in this region given the rest of the experience. This actually makes, makes navigating some experiences and states of consciousness not that different than playing with something like GPT-3, GPT-4. Because when you have defined features, they constrain how you're going to resolve the uncertainties. When you have strings of tokens, it constrains what the next token is going to be. This is why if you find yourself in a very formless state of consciousness, but very energized, and you see the tail of a jaguar, the whole scene can start cascading and collapsing into a scene full of jaguars. Because every shape starts to function as a constraint for other shapes. And predicting each other. So what we're going to practice today and learn today, work and play is how to deal with some of these uh, realms, some of these gestalts that maybe are sticky, that you find yourself in, but you feel trapped. The first observation here is that the world is full of agents. We have people, we have, without, we have animals, even 
in a certain sense, organizations and movements. So to navigate the world, you need to model agents. As a consequence, your predictive engine generates agents in order to predict the world. This is one possibility for why we're so full of agents, because we need them to predict the world. Just to get a feel for this uh, quality of prediction and how it interfaces with resonances. See what you imagine, what comes up naturally. If I tell you, imagine a little critter, a little being on a rock, sitting on a rock. Notice how your attention and awareness oscillate between the rock, the little critter, its surroundings, and starts to constrain or reshape them so they will fit together into a scene that makes sense of this. I'm going to assume you guys have seen Rick and Morty. There's a magic box <clears throat> called uh, Mr. Misics. You push the button and a Mr. Misics appear. You ask it to do a task. And when it finishes the task, it disappears. It wants to do the task and just go away. That is the basic nature of our sub-agents. Our predictive system springs one into being in order to make predictions and keep you safe. And when it's convinced it doesn't need it, you don't need it anymore, it vanishes. But the problem is that many times it's difficult to convince it that you don't need it anymore. So if you had a very difficult or traumatic relationship with somebody or, or something really, sometimes the sub-agents that you spin up to predict it will be lingering for much longer, bothering you and keeping you stressed.
So it's helpful to do exercises to sort of reset and let them all go in peace. So this is the first technique and I find it very helpful. Whenever there's an entity, a sub-agent that is problematic and you don't really need it, don't fight with it because that will energize it. Don't really engage with it because that just adds more connections, more binding connections. What you can do is simply remind it that it served a purpose and you're grateful for it. But now you can help it rejoin the pool of love, the source, or the primal energy out of which it was made. And sub-agents like that. They actually prefer not existing in a certain way. So let's do this for a moment, for a few minutes. Whenever a sub-agent from the past that doesn't serve you anymore comes up, thank it with gratitude and guide it back to the pool of love or primal, primal being to rejoin, to rejoin the energy. In many ways, even the scariest sub-agents in the end turn out to be 
very neutral. They just have a mask. They're playing a role to help you out. To keep you safe. So they're always happy when it turns out they don't need to do it anymore. And they can come back to their primal, primal being. This technique is very helpful in the moment and over time. Because every time you practice it, you're feeding your mind with training data in a way. That this is something that agents can do to be reintegrated. The more you do it, the more your mind will naturally predict that that is what can happen, the less likely you'll be stuck in realms that are sticky. Slowly oils the mind towards a more wholesome state. And if you do a practice like this or related for, for a while, you might find yourself with no agents and just in a very state, very blissful state of being. Consciousness undisturbed. Very, very broadly, the background mood of your state of consciousness is part of the evolutionary selection pressures for agents, sub-agents. So another very helpful way of gently encouraging friendly agents and friendly relationships between sub-agents is meta loving-kindness and again 
don't be restricted to any of the standard formulations. Always feel free to play with modes of attention, modes of awareness, meta in the breath as energy moving towards the subagents, meta as the relationship between you and the subagents, meta coming from your subagents or your body full of metta or space space being made of loving kindness all of these are things you can play with and there is no best one it, it all depends on one on what works in the moment what has a good positive effect in the moment what causes relief and peacefulness and and a sense of inner harmony and concordance in the moment there are people who spend years just cultivating one type Meta in the breath, over and over and over. Like an incantation, hoping it works this time. But if you're open, many times it's just a slight reframe, a slight shift in the mode of attention that allows something to open up. Or you're in a, if you're in a difficult situation, another very helpful way to deal with subagents is uh, equanimity. This could be said is like a non-reactivity. Because remember, the way you react to subagents is part of the things that part of the things that keeps them going and energizes them. The physical world around us might be Newtonian, but our inner world simulation is not. When you push it, it can get hard. When you get add energy to it, it doesn't behave like in the physics around us. Whatever you add energy to gets stronger and starts to unfold and lots of things happen to it. So pushing away a sub-agent, you may think, is going to throw it away and you will never see it back. But actually, you're giving it energy. This is why equanimity is such a, such a blessing because it precisely stops you from energizing the swing. Just let it gently 
gently lose its energy and settle down. One thing you can do that is also very helpful when very crazy entities arise in your consciousness, and there are a number of ways where this can happen. Is get a feel for their intentions. One, one thing that we tend to do is simply say, are they, do they seem good or bad? But in a certain sense, actually, what is more helpful is when their intentions are clear, when they have a very clear vibe about their intentions. Because one way in which crazy, <laughs> strange things and unpleasant things can happen that with trickster subagents, for example, is when you welcome them because they seem friendly, but actually their vibe is very ambiguous. And then they can turn around <laughs> and be unfriendly. So the thing to sort of encourage and, and gently reward with, with loving kindness is clean intentions, even before just good intentions out of the sub-agents. So they're trustworthy and really helpful. This is why why not to be a little a little skeptical if a subagent claims he it can do everything, it can cure cancer, it can make you fly. That's flattery. And if it's ambiguous intention, who knows what you're rewarding there? It's a million times better, a very simple agent with clean intentions than a god with ambiguous intentions. The last thing I'll mention is a, just a little bit about some specific, strange sub-agents are very common. 
One of them is the egregore. I think this happens when the intentions of a culture, your internal representations of lots and lots of people in a culture, they resonate with each other and they form a kind of amalgam. It's one of those things, if, if you've experienced it, you know what I mean. If, if not, well, believe me, it's out there. <laughs> can can get at this blob of a lot of kind of arms and hands and eyes and undefined features, but they all kind of have the same vibe, but the vibe is not very sophisticated because it's the lowest common denominator. It's very hard to negotiate with an egregore because, or um, or a shogoth would be another term for this, because they don't have clear agency. The loudest voices always win. So I apply this, the techniques I mentioned to, to gently help them out. Uh, one of these entities is really the sum of all of the fragments of subagents that's inside them. Ultimately, they are flavorless once all of their components have been have been removed. They're just an amalgam. The second kind, the second out of three I'll mention, is the harlequins and the trickster entities. A very helpful data to, to feed, to train, to become your predictions is think of them as friendly and curious consciousness research assistants. <laughs> they love to learn and play with consciousness. They're fascinated by the fun and peculiar things you can do with it. And you can collaborate with them as long as they're friendly and, and open and, and curious. They can be very helpful. The problem is, uh, of course, we have so many narratives in our culture with, <laughs> with crazy clowns and sinister harlequins, but really, I think that's just training data. The vibe is ultimately more neutral and is whatever you can do with it. And perhaps for our purposes, a consciousness research assistant or friend or collaborator might be a good, a good archetype to hit. And finally, we have the, <laughs> hard to tell them, I think they're artists. They just want to create beautiful works of art 
whether in songs and sometimes these are elves sometimes they can be fairies or other archetypes they're not so interested in the intellectual component and that's fine the more you can encourage the sense of mystery that they know some art forms that humans have never fathomed the more generative these things are well these beings just make sure you encourage the love of the art and not the art as a way to decorate the self To keep it flowing and not get contracted into our self-views. To conclude the meditation, let's uh, hang out a little bit in this open space, welcoming all, all of our friendly subagents and sending metta to them and receiving metta from them as well as sending metta to each other here and to everybody who will listen to this recording and imagining they're sending metta back as well everybody sending metta metta to each other a harmonious and friendly ecosystem, ecosystem of agents. Let's hang out in here for a moment. And just to practice one last time, if any sub-agent comes up that is not serving you anymore, just gently guide it back to the pool of primal being, which is sending metta to you and all of the rest of the sub-agents. Now in your own time, you can start moving out of the meditation.
Thank you, everybody. Thank you, everybody.